Um, Derek Craven Day was the best. <laughs> Derek Craven Day was awesome. I had a great day. Eric came into my office at one point during Eric, Derek Craven Day, and he was like, this is going way more well than I expected it to go. People are actually doing this. And, yeah. and I said, yeah, because the year has been awful. Yeah. And here, all we were asking for is for everybody to just giggle and have some joy. Have fun. Have fun. I mean, I I was thinking a lot about it because someone's like, I feel bad. I've never read it. Am I, like, kicked out of Romance Land yet? It was, you know, B's friend Jess. Sure. And I was like, no, Derek Craven Day is just, it's how much we, like, love these characters. Derek Craven would never kick you out of Romance Landia <laughs> no. for not reading Derek Craven. <laughs> he would never, never. I mean, what I love about it is it reminded me of all the ways that romance makes me happy. Yes. In that, like, yeah, there are a thousand different things you can say about Dreaming of You, and... As Eric pointed out, we did not say on our silly podcast for Derek Craven Day that we did an entire episode about Dreaming of You where we unpack this age-old book. But the reality is, is like, we all just really love it. Warts and all. Yes. (laughs) 30 years later, which, I mean... Uh, hurts me no small amount <laughs> to quantify the years in that in that way. Yes. But nearly 30 years later, this book just still gives us all so much joy. Oh my God, yes. I was rereading it this last night because I couldn't sleep and I woke up in the middle of the night. And I was like, you know, I'm going to treat myself to a little Derek Craven. And I was just like, it's all so great. It was the first act of outright thievery. He'd committed in 10 years. (sighs) Anyway, it was really fun, you guys. So if you are a new listener, because also I feel like we should say Derek Craven Day was also our biggest one day. So wild. Yes. uh, Download ever in the history (laughs) of the podcast. So which worried me not a small amount, I have to say, because it was such a silly niche episode. And we don't usually just, you know, do that. No. Uh, But I mean, if you all like it, we certainly could. (laughs) We could put that into rotation. Um, But if you are a new listener and you joined us for Derek Craven Day and you were like, I don't know about these three I'm counting you in this, Kate. I'm sorry. You're in. I don't know about these two and this other woman who seems to be better than the other two. <laughs> She's our straight woman for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, I hope you'll stick with us this episode and see and get a little more taste for who we are uh, when we're not talking about whether or not Derek Craven would. <laughs> would Derek Craven build a circular driveway to avoid using a backup camera? Yes, that's my theory. He yes, he de- definitely would. <laughs> I mean, I do feel like it's very funny because yesterday also, well, this is not funny. This was rage-inducing. But yesterday there was that horrifying New York Times article. Yes. About how women, it's like a a portrait of three women in the pandemic who are just moms, who are just trying to get by. And it's compounding what, I think what was so shocking about it was how not shocking it was, this... We on the podcast have talked so much about questions of women and emotional work and fantasy mm-hmm. and um, 
burdens and the way that we do and do not burden share with our partners. And this article was shattering in its lack of surprise. Like, here were three women who were really going through it. Mm -hmm. And I had to read it in pieces because it kept making me really, like, emotional in some ways. Um, And... But at one point, it got to that paragraph, the legendary paragraph of about Eddie, the husband, who like taking a nap, yeah. popped popcorn during one of her calls and then took a nap while she was like managing a toddler meltdown. And all in my head, it just went full static with just the repetition of Derek Craven would never, Derek Craven yes, would never. Right, right. And I really feel, and I, I didn't tweet this because I didn't want the you know, Twitter bother, but I really feel like the next time somebody asks me about the appeal of romance, yes, I'm going to print out that screenshot and say, no romance hero would ever do this. Right. Fair disclosure, I have not even read the entire article because of my, my rage, right? And I have... In this pandemic, you know, my son is a senior in high school. He's completely self-sufficient. You know, I I only have one child, and I have been very, very lucky because I know that if this had happened 10 years ago, I I think that would have been me in a lot of ways. Not that not the excessiveness of it, but even then, you know, it's a long story. I go to work in the morning to school and I come home and um, you know. They're home. And, like, yesterday I was, like, found myself making lunch for everyone after I was the one that was at work in the morning. And I was, like, it's all these little ways in which the path of least resistance is just for me to do it. Yeah. And and I found myself thinking how easy that would be. I don't know. It's just really hard. It's hard. And it is hard. And I think that women especially, although I assume that this happens in all relationships where there are partners. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yes. But of course, like we both are in cishet relationships. So for us, um, for me at least, I think women, one of the challenges that I have had to overcome over the last year mm-hmm. is the willingness to let go of the expectation that the kitchen always has to be clean or the, you know, bedroom, the bed always has to be made or the laundry always has to be done. Like this sense that at some point something does have to give. And often it is the thing that is about the is is domestic in some way, right? right? Like it's, you know, I have a job, I have a podcast, I have, you know, right. I have a kid, I have a husband, I have I have, you know, all these different things that are pulling at me. I have an elderly parent who, mm-hmm. you know, needs all of these have we have a lot of needs. Um and then on top of it, the the layer of just like the pure emotional like stress of this this right. And and I also think I want to acknowledge that like we're coming up on a year of this. I know. And I think it I don't does it feel heavier to you in some yes. way now than it did 6 months ago or 8 months ago like and for no other reason than I think like oh god it's been a year. It's been a year. February is also I mean, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, right, the darkest time of the year in terms of, like, the sunlight and it's really cool. I mean, all the, it's a very, 
if you are a teacher or know a teacher, February is often just like the lowest energy month of the year. It's just so hard. I mean, and that, but yes, coming up on a year, like knowing that my last day at school last year was March 11th. That was kind of the day they called it. Mm-hmm. And I just keep thinking that's coming up. And yeah. if I had known a, a year ago, we'd still be here. Yeah. And that women are suffering, and so many families are suffering, and women are suffering, and the article's about, you know, like, we don't have a social net, we have women. I mean, every time I read those, I just, it's just been really hard. Yeah. You know, I hope that when we come out on the other side of this as a culture, as a society, I hope that we will be in a place where we will expect different of partnership. Yeah. I hope, I hope, you know, I hope a lot of men read that article yesterday and said like, oh, hey, mm-hmm. and like checked in maybe. <laughs> Although I doubt, I mean, I don't know, men, I mean, we've talked about this a thousand times too, but toxic masculinity exists, patriarchy exists, it's bad for all of us. And part of the reason why it's bad for all of us is that men don't know how to say the words like, hey, how are you? Are you okay? Do you feel like we're sharing the burden here. I mean, but I still hear people in my circles say things like, oh, I can't leave the house because who will take care of the children? And like their husbands are our home. And I I am lucky. I never in a million years had to say anything like that. Yeah, I don't but. have that either, but that is a problem. It's a problem with how we we it's a problem with how we teach men to be men. Yeah. I think one of the things I think a lot about is I think often men who like love their families or and maybe do read those articles, what they want, what like sort of the first step is to say like, well, what can I do? And when when our son was younger, I I greatly I hated that. I was like, look around and see what needs to be done and do it without asking me. That is how I do things. Yeah. And that's part of, I think, um, if there are any men out there listening, right? Like, having to give you a list of tasks. Like, then I just am making a honey-do list, and I know that everybody hates that. So it feels a little like that, to me, was true co-parenting is always, to me, when my husband just, like, takes care of He takes care of takes care of things, I take care of things, things get done, and it's not like a, and that, but I, you know, again, I'm, I'm really lucky. Well, yeah, and there's the other piece, right, which is, which goes back to what I was talking about, where you, as women, our job, our instinct is often to say, like, well, that wasn't done the way I would do it. Right, right. You just gotta let it be done. But, like, if the dishes are done, you know, and there's still water, like, you know, food in the kitchen sink or water on the counters, like, you have to take that as a win. (laughs) Yeah, right. I mean, right. But I mean, these things, look, this is, but I don't know. I I don't know. I I just, I was, it made me sad to read that yesterday. And so, and and I just kept coming back to, like, this is why we read romance and why heroes look the way they do on the page. Yes. And I, I was thinking about, you know, we've talked about, you know, cinnamon roll heroes and how, yeah. like, and how they, what the work that 
the cinnamon roll is doing on the page is a very different kind of work than the alpha is doing on the page. And the appeal of that cinnamon roll work is like, I'm caring for you. Yes. In sort of a like, I'm going to bring you a bag of the heads of your enemies, but in a sort of the enemy in this case is the laundry pile. Yeah. So I'm going to do that for you. Right. Right. Before I think like before you even notice that it's there. Right. Right. And you know, I think I've been thinking a lot to just about that, like, one-year anniversary. Like, anniversaries are really powerful, and we're coming up on, like, one year in quarantine or one year of it being really serious. And I think it is this moment where, you know, I, I, I'm starting to read a lot of, like, things on social media, people who are like, this was the, the my you know, the year I turned 40 and I lost it. And then I think, like, right? That or, wonderful, I'm sorry, I know you're being serious, but there was that great tweet that went around that was like, I'll never forgive COVID for taking one of my hot years. Yes, <laughs> right? Exactly, right? But I think a lot about, like, God, how hard it would be to feel that way about like a year of your child's life or, I mean, I, I have felt really, I will say I felt really lucky because little romance is this delightful human and in a really weird way, because we have been pandemic fine and in, in good health and we both kept our jobs. Mm-hmm. It has been like a gift to Special. have. Yes. I feel that I said that the other day about V where, um, you know, she is seven and her birthday is in December. So yeah. in New York City, the cutoff for school is uh, December 31st. So mm-hmm. if you turn five in the year right. before December 30, 31st, you go into kindergarten. So we felt so she went into kindergarten when she was four and turned can, turned five while she was in kindergarten. And so we always a little bit felt sad that we had kind of lost a year like she had gone to school and we could have had that year with her um although to be honest like I would probably pulled my hair out that whole year right whatever right she was ready and now she's here and like in our house and so there is the trade-off of well she's going to school in my kitchen and like I'm definitely writing slower than I ever have before but you know she's here we get to hang out She's currently watching Gem and the Holograms, the movie, for like the 14th time in a 24-hour period. So I remember those years well. <laughs> and I got to say, I, I just texted Eric earlier today because I was reading and he was in his studio in the front of the house and she's between us. And I could hear that like poppy Gem and the Holograms song. And I texted him and I was like, I'm so basic. I love this song. Funny. <laughs> We've been through some things, and Derek Craven Day it did the job. Both, like showed us that, and like told us how great it was. Yeah. It was yeah. so nice to have that. It was so and fun. so many people were so nice to us too, which is really nice. Yeah. So thanks, you guys. We love you. And also, if you have Instagram, you should go search hashtag Derek Craven Day. It was amazing because there were so many cool Instagram yeah. posts about it. Make friends with your fellow Cravenites. <laughs> There you go. Cravenites. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do next year, but we'll do what we can. Oh, and in case you missed it, in case like somehow you missed all the social media, whatever, for Derek Craven Day, um, there is a special website at Faded Mates. Yes. That Eric put together with all of the data on Derek Craven because <laughs> we asked a lot of questions about Derek Craven and um, all of your listener 
comments. Additions. Yes. So Listener funny. suggestions as to what Derek Craven would and would not do. Um, that page is on the website. We will put a link to it in show notes mm-hmm. um, so that you can go and peruse it <laughs> casually. It's hilarious. It's, it's amazing. the best. It made me really, truly happy in a way that, like, romance always does, but it was just such a shot of joy to do it with everybody else, so. Yeah. Welcome to Faded Mates, I guess. Oh, God. <laughs> Welcome to Faded Mates, everybody. 17 minutes in. <laughs> you know, we're going through some things. So it's fine. <laughs> I'm Sarah McLean. I write romance novels, and I read them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop. I'm a romance reader and critic. And this week, we are talking about three category romances from the brilliant Naima Simone, the Blackout Billionaire series. Boy, do I love a conceit like this. Oh, yeah. And I think it's going to be a great opportunity. So there are three books. Let's kind of do a quick um, overview of the three books. Some of you might have read one or two or three or none of them. It doesn't matter. Um... But We've got you, no matter what. We're here yeah, for you. and you know what's great about this is this is also if I think an opportunity for us to really talk about category romance and kind of how it works. Um, this is a series of Harlequin Desires, which is a storied Harlequin imprint that has been around for a long time. And um, this is a pretty common way that a, a, a you take a conceit. It's a blackout at a fancy gala. And you put three couples into the the snow globe. <laughs> and then the three stories kind of spin off from, like, this one event. And so um, the first book... Oh, you have it all written down. So you're going to do this part because I'll forget. The first them. book is The Billionaire's Bargain. And that features Isabel and Darius. The And that is a uh, best friend's widow, but there's mm-hmm. also a kind of betrayal and a oh, yeah. misunderstanding and a rich family. A lot of rich families that don't like the rabble in this oh, series, yes. which is a true kink of mine, which yeah. I sort of, in, <laughs> in the reading of these back to back to back, I realized this was a big kink of mine. Yeah. And then the black tie billionaire is Shay and Gideon's story. And that is also... Oh, by the way, they're all billionaires. Um, Obviously. I mean, obviously. Um, And Shay and Gideon... Shay is old money. I don't know what the word is for Chicago. In Philadelphia, we would call this mainline mainline money. Gold Coast. Gold Coast money, right? So Shay is the heroine, and she's a Gold Coast, you know, old family money. Um, but also, uh, wait, what does Gold Coast mean? Is it the coast of the the lake? Yeah, so it's a neighborhood. It's actually where my school is. Um, it's a neighborhood. It, in fact, is. Um, it's in, I like just gave a big clue to everybody. It's a neighborhood in Chicago that is right on the lakefront and has... So when the sun rises it's gold it's right and it's but it's also just unbelievably huge there's a street in the gold coast called astor street oh sure sure and they're huge 
crazy huge like city mansions and then on the lakeshore drive there are these really beautiful old apartment buildings so they're only you know maybe 12 or 15 stories but they are these gorgeous like limestone apartment buildings and they you know overlook the lake and okay so it's like park avenue money yeah big money okay it's back bay in boston i mean every city has this sure well, and it's funny you mentioned Philadelphia because, of course, I went to Villanova, which was on the main line. I said I also referenced Philadelphia like I'm from there, and I'm not. I just happen to know that mainline Philadelphia is, like, super yes. posh. Yes. Um, I am not from a posh place at all. I'm from Providence, Rhode Island. We're not posh there. <laughs> so, <laughs> and now I live in Brooklyn. We're really not posh here. So, um, okay, so Shay and Gideon, Shay is, like, old old money. Gideon is new money, a new, like, mm-hmm. tech billionaire. Yes. And But Shay is in disguise. <laughs> in, of course. I mean— like so disguised that she's wearing contact lenses and a wig, yeah. the color of her eyes. I, it's too much and all exactly enough. So yeah, exactly that's book two, and then book three is blame it on the billionaire, and that is my favorite of the three, and that Me is too. Gray and Nadia, and this is like some real like yeah. big old money hero who's like a billionaire. Twice over. He's like right. family money billionaire, but then he's like a scrappy, pulled yeah. himself up by his bootstraps <laughs> billionaire, which I don't think is a real thing. <laughs> I kept being like, oh, he was a self-made man, except he is the child of billionaires. So sure. Whatever, it's fine. Romance reasons. <laughs> and Nadia, who's like just a person who like was down on her luck and now like works in his company. Also, you know I love all these like power. Oh God, like, yes. If sure. it's a boss secretary, like the head of the company and the like sure. whatever low level whatever. Sign me the up. The teacher, yeah. the student. The, I mean like I love all that shit. I know it's bad for me. Don't I mean I don't, don't care. I love it guys. too. I love here's, it. Here's here's <laughs> the thing I, I was thinking about though is Okay, so category romance, let me just, like, explain really quickly, like, what that term means if you are, like, new to the game. We did a whole episode on old school categories that was very, I think, valuable in terms of, like, telling a little bit of, of, well, that was a really, like, that was a fun episode. If you want another, like, oh, listen to Jen and Sarah (laughs) giggle a lot, that's a good one. We'll put it in show notes. And also we did an episode with Steve Amidown, who is the former archivist from the Bowling Green State University uh, Brown Pop Culture Library, and he's, like, the guy who knows everything about categories. And we did history with him and talked a lot about Vivian Stevens. And Steve also is starting a new blog about romance history, so that's yeah. going to be an amazing resource. We'll put that in, in show notes, too. Sure. And Steve is going to come back on the show soon, so. Yes. So, here's Lots the thing. Steve excitement. About category romance and, like, kind of category romance then. Here's category romance now. So, Category romances, if you think about it this way, and I think, like, Harlequin essentially has bought up Silhouette. At some point, there were kind of two big companies, right? There was Silhouette and Harlequin. If you're in Britain, it's Mills and Boone. Um, Or I guess Mills and Boone everywhere else, not just Britain, right? Because it's Mills and Boone in Australia and South Africa. and Yeah, right. Um, And so... One of the things is they have a bunch of different imprints, right? So there's Harlequin Desire and Harlequin Romance and, you know, Harlequin Intrigue and, you know, whatever they all are. Because they're, they, they kind of come in and out of favor depending on like what people are buying. Some of them have been around for a long, long time. Harlequin Presents is the one with that iconic like round window. Those are always like, 
you know, take place in, like, Greece or Spain or, right, they sort of have that international flavor. Harlequin Desires um, used to have the red cover and halfway through this series changed to the yellow. And yeah, I was like, they're oh. switching things around. Yes, they did a, a big rebranding a year ago. Also, the images are different. They're, like, bigger now. There's, it's a different... A different look. This is some real in-the-weeds romance shit. <laughs> no, and, you know, I was lucky enough before this all happened to interview one one of the he- the head essentially of like art for cat that does all the category covers mm-hmm. and you know and he talked a lot about how important that branding is so even you know and it's just really really fascinating and so harlequin desire is all about like kind of money and glamour and power it's pretty sexy there's sex on page harlequin romance is closed door every single one of them so if you kind of know how to crack the code of what each different line is offering then you would literally can sort of get like a straight shot of what you want delivered every month and they're always I mean I would say 220 pages or 180 pages they're really tight and it just but they're only on the shelves for a month yeah they go out of print Yes. It becomes impossible to get them in print. Now, of course, now, thank goodness, they're always going to be available digitally, right? But, you know, it's like if you didn't buy this in September, you know, if you didn't get Black Tie Billionaire in September of 2019, then you didn't get it. You have to get go to eBay. Of course, probably Amazon will have them until they're out of stock, but they never reprint these things. Right. And so this is, um, you know, and if you write category... I think it's very different than single title in that the romance romance reasons is the world building. And what I mean by that is if they tell you, you know, if Gideon tells you, tells Shay, well, you know, I need to blackmail you to get back to your brother, you don't actually expect the author doesn't have to do a whole lot with that. Like, Mm-mm. It just gets put on put on page, and then it it exists. Yeah, and you know what I was thinking. So they're, I mean, they're incredibly short too, comparatively. So one of these books, to give you guys a sense, um, one of these books is about half as long as one of mm-hmm. my books. Mm-hmm. Um, and I write long. We've talked about that, but still, I mean, I don't write hugely long, right? Um, but that's the so the structure of the two books has to be different by virtue of yes. I would have to pack in in order for me to um, be able to really make it worth your while to read one hundred and fifteen thousand words. I yeah. have to pack in. B plots, C plots, extra characters. You see all the you see the main characters with other people. Right. In this case, these three men know each other. The second and third, the second, to give you a sense, the heroes of the second book and the third book are business partners, literal like co-CEOs of a company together. And neither of them is on the page of the other's book. Despite the fact that book three is largely takes place inside that company. Right. There's just no time for that. There's no time or room for it in category. Also, also I want to tag sex because each one of these books has one, like, really meaty, (laughs) lack of a better word, sex scene where, like, it all happens, right? Mm -hmm. And then every other sex scene is extremely short, like, really 
with an economy of language, Naima has to thread the needle on them having more sex. Right. Because there just isn't room. You can't, you can't spend more than that one big sex scene or else you're just writing, well, or else you're writing Harlequin Dare, which is the sexier line. Oh, light a candle for Harlequin Blaze, everybody. Those were the ones that really... I was a subscriber to Harlequin Blaze for a long, long time. Weren't we all? Which is where... Wait, have we talked about... Have I ever confessed my, like, weird obsession with soldier romances on the podcast? (laughs) I think maybe adjacent to my weird obsession with Vietnam-era romances, and you'll kind of hint at it. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it's because I was a Blaze subscriber for so long, and in the pack, there were just, there was always a Navy SEAL book every month. You know, you would get four books, and you would, one of them was always a SEAL. And so I imprinted hard on those, (laughs) like, SEAL books. And now I have a real soft spot in my heart for a soldier book. But yeah. we've never done an interstitial about soldiers, and we probably won't. So, because <laughs> the military-industrial complex is a lot to unpack. <laughs> so, you know, one of the things I th- I think if we ever did do it, it would be really strictly from the idea of like breaking down the myth making. Because talk about a hero who like has to come to terms with his own toxic masculinity. Yeah, um, and some people do it really well. And I think shout that's... out to those of you who are heroines to real life soldiers. Yeah, absolutely. But there's, a, I think you'll all agree, there's a lot to unpack. And like my basic thing is, my God, they look great in a uniform. <laughs> I mean, sure. Well, you all know that my absolute, like, all-time favorite guilty pleasure movie is G.I. Jane. Oh, I mean, have have I? Of course I have. Literally, I've seen it so many times. So all three of these couples, these men, really, kind of starts from their point of view, I think, in all the books, are at this big gala. Which is up on, it's up in a North Shore mansion, um, which is, like, a different kind of rich than, like, Gold Coast rich. (laughs) And what does that mean? Chicago. um, North Shore, well, it's whiter. It's like new money? No, no. no. I mean, here's, it's whiter. It's, like, Lake Forest, which is where Gray, no, no, Darius has a house is like a literal actual sundown town. So these are like North Coast wealth is whiter, more exclusive, and like kind of like not as friendly. Like I think, you know, Chicago Gold Coast rich is like rooted in the city and loves the city, but like Lake Forest rich is a little more complicated. Okay, so for those of you who know New York City, I think we're talking about Park Avenue rich versus Scarsdale rich. I think, yes, that sounds... That sounds about right. Yeah, very, very much so. And also, Naima does not, has said a lot of books in Chicago, but she doesn't live here. And I would say, I don't know if she knows someone who lives here or once lived here. Some of the stuff feels right. Some of it doesn't. It doesn't quite really matter either because. Well, again, category. Yeah, the world of wealth is probably what's more important than the details about how long mm-hmm. it takes from to get from Lake Forest to the far south side, <laughs> yes. which would be a long time. I've, I spent a lot of time thinking about why I like category is I like a lot of conflict in a book. Uh, 
Can we talk? Okay. So yeah. I don't know. Uh, Cause we said read all three. I don't know what people have done, but I think we need to talk about, there are, there are a few things to talk about here. One, mm-hmm. before we even start, I want to talk about this mansion party that they're at. Mm-hmm. Cause I think it's a great ex- example of what you were getting at. We're like in category, it's just, Romance reasons. Like, don't worry about it. Yes. <laughs> so, Let that roll over you like a so, wave. So, okay. The premise here is there's some big mansion, and mm-hmm. there there's a ton. I mean, basically, everyone who is anyone in Chicago is at this party. Right. And then there's a blackout. And first of all, there are lots of nooks and crannies for people to bone in, to, like, <laughs> fucking and then fall asleep all night. Like, no <laughs> one notices. <laughs> so fine obviously but also also the the conceit of them all being locked in yeah is that they are there is like a super security system that has been installed yes. by some like tech genius right not so much a genius apparently <laughs> right where like the when the when the power goes out the whole building goes into like full lockdown and there's just no way to get out they have to bone There's no other choice. And, like, I don't know. The fire department and the police have no... There's just no way. There's no way any of these people are getting out of this building until sunrise when, like, like a J.R. Ward vampire house, (laughs) everything unlocks. (laughs) I also love, like, oops, I forgot my phone in the car. I mean, a lot of things that just felt... Again, and you're like, okay. Well, the third one, they literally... It seems as though they actually do it in the foyer of yeah. the house. And it's like, you would think they would look for somewhere private, but no, no one cares. <laughs> it doesn't matter, because I think that's the other thing is categories are so tight. Oh, it's so good. I wasn't joking about it being a snow globe. It's like the rest of the world just magically goes away when you want them to. Yeah, these three couples, and as far as I'm concerned, about 83 other couples. Absolutely. Or thruples. However you, whatever, whatever your pleasure is. A good is. time was had by all. The lights went out and like across this this house, people were just finding alcoves or marble floors and just down I, to down to bone. None of them found a broom and it just struck me as weird, but okay. Well, fine. there were no, it's funny because in the first one I was like, I sort of missed that it was a mansion in the first one. Yes. In the first one I thought it was like some kind of. Like a ballroom. Yeah. Like a. Yeah, well. Yeah, like I thought that it was like a yeah, it was like an like event a space. Right. And then the second one is like, no, it's a house. It's a and then I was like, it was a house. And then I thought it was a high rise. And that's why they couldn't get out because of elevators. <laughs> and then in the third one, it was like, no, it's a mansion. And I was like, oh Romance my god, friends. this is amazing. <laughs> I know. And I know. it doesn't matter. It's all perfect in every way. But then conflict is the other piece. Yes. So I I guess I want to say that like if you when you go into a romance a category romance, your you know like whatever your threshold is for like I need the all these pieces parts to like make a bunch of logical sense. Mm. I need you to lower the floor because do people want them to make logical sense? Because I, I don't. I don't like, either. Here are, but, pe- here are some beautiful people going through big feelings. But I'm trying to <laughs> exactly. I am trying to imagine though someone picking up a category literally for the first time and not realizing that it's a lot more like a a TV show, mm. like a melodrama, right? Like Dynasty or... Yeah, it's scan- It's like Grey's yeah, Anatomy. Scandal. I mean, it's like... And it's like, let me take... It's like someone's in the kitchen and 
every ingredient is a trope, and then there's a big-ass blender just spitting out stories. Yes. I mean, okay. But in the course of these three books, a lot of crazy shit happens. Yeah. Okay? In the first one, there's, like... My, you were married to my best friend, and yes. then we, and you were a gold digger, and then he died, and you are keeping his son from his, no, but, like, we're not sure this is even his son, like, you, like, we think that maybe you were sleeping around, and she's like, oh, no, wait, he, like, we were in an abusive relationship, but I would never tell you that, like, there's a lot of, like, Yes. I'm keeping secrets. You're keeping secrets. Everybody's mi- there are a lot of misunderstandings in categories, mm-hmm. and they're all designed to just continually amp up the drama, yes. right? Like yes. at the end of every chapter, Naima is so good at the end of chapters of like literally giving you a commercial break moment where you're like, yes. <gasps> no, what? now what's gonna happen? It and is. then in the second one, she's wearing so this rich woman who's like best friends with a lady who runs a food truck. Don't ask questions. She, <laughs> she like, needs, she is sick at her catering job, and so, like, her rich best friend decides that she's going to, like, take over this catering job. So she puts on a full disguise. Now, of course, yeah. in the context of the book, it makes perfect sense because she's afraid she'll be noticed by the people who are in the room who she grew up with. Right. And they'll she say, hey, why are you a, a caterer? Why are you a waitress here? Right? <laughs> and so, and then, like, Boom, lights are out, and she's, like, they're, like, boning in the back room, in the coat room, or whatever. And, like... Of course. And that's a whole thing, because he is uh, mortal enemies with her brother. Her brother. Yeah. Lots of bad brothers in this And here's the other thing. We're not talking about, like, I don't really like you. It's, like, mortal fucking enemies. (laughs) This guy, the, the bad brother, is, like... Oh, really bad. Doing insider training, training, yeah, like has, legitimately, like could go to jail bad, yeah, and then did his sister got his sister pregnant and right? was like get an abortion and then dumped her, yeah. I mean, we're talking, and yeah. of course, all the people with bad families are like, but they're nice to me. I didn't know is now engaged to the hero's ex fiance. Yes. Like, I mean, here's the thing. I feel like this is who were we with. Trope wheel. Joanna was yes. like, there's a Jessica Kane trope wheel. Naomi Simone has a trope wheel, too. Yes. Because she's just, this is this is how you write a, a category. She is so good at it. Because what she does is she's like, here are the two. Like, pluck this character and this character. These are the two. He's going to be a billionaire. She's going to be whatever, in disguise as a caterer. Yes, sure. Billionaire in disguise. Let me shuffle the cards. Right? Um, and then, because she's also, like, an extremely wealthy businesswoman. Yeah. Who's, like, starting her own, like, investment firm, like, VC firm. So, she like, I'm going to pluck this hero and this heroine, and I'm going to throw them together in, like, a one-night stand, obviously, because there's a blackout, during a blackout. Sure. sure. And then, also, we're going to do, a, you know, villainous brother, revenge story, <laughs> like, ex- like, evil ex. Food truck. Like, food trucks. Like, she's just like, bam, 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 bam. And as a reader, you're just like, I'm in it, I'm in it. Put it in my eyeball. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) So it feels really satisfying because these are books that take you on a ride. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, category to me, it's like, I'm taking you on a ride. Like, get in the front seat of the roller coaster and then get off when I tell you to get off. Yeah. And I think that it's interesting, though, because... 
I think the third book kind of downshifts a little, doesn't have quite as many subplots, and I think it ends up being a better book for it. But I also think one of the things that in book one... Book one is Isabel and Darius. Yes. One of the pitfalls of the we're going to take you on a ride is because the stakes are so much higher, there's a lot of external plot. Sometimes we need a little more remediation for bad bad deeds. And I think book one was hard for me because Darius does something truly... Okay, we are going to spoil it. We have to spoil yeah, it. We, we have, have to, to talk it. about it. And it's right. the reality is, is that like it is a perfect category moment. Like it is exact. Yes. She does. She does exactly what this book requires. Yes, it is a perfect category plot. But I wanted more, way more groveling. Well, this motherfucker has been in cold storage for a full goddamn year since I read it the first time. So, Darius, the structure of this book, as as I've sort of we've kind of implied, mm-hmm. is um. Isabel, Darius had a best friend. Isabel was like the poor, like a poor girl who literally grew up poor and married this very wealthy billionaire, like son of son of billionaires, like Gold Coast family or whatever, not Gold Coast. What did you say? North Shore family. Yes. Um, they got married. They had a child. They had a horrible marriage together but nobody outside of them knew that like mm-hmm. he, he was he was abusive it he isolated them nobody yes. all of his family and friends believed that he was a golden boy and she was a gold digger and like fine he dies and she um asks essentially for help like caring for his child yeah, right and his parents say well we heard that you slept around so we don't know that this child is actually his you have to do a paternity test. And she said, no, um, because fuck you, no. And so she was like, fine. So she moved into an apartment in a less well-off neighborhood with her mom mm-hmm. and this child. And so she's doing, she's, she's doing what she can. She's right. a good mom with like making ends meet. She's a cashier at a grocery store. She's put her own life of like dreams of going to college on hold because she's like, look, I'm taking care of our son now, but right. I need some help. So it, she's at the party for, to get money to convince him. What's she no. at the party for? <laughs> well, here's the deal. So <laughs> I can't remember. Okay, Gage was her husband, and Gage and Darius were best friends, but then Darius's parents died, and yeah. Gage's parents essentially adopted him. And she has been sending letters oh, and right. emails to Gage's parents for two years, as long as this little boy's been alive, and they keep getting returned to sender. And so she's kind of like, look, I'm just going to have to go find them. But there's no way she can get into their apartment or their offices. Right. So she's like, where's someplace I know they're going to be, and I'm going to go there. This is a good example (laughs) of, like, romance reasons. Whatever. She's at the party. (laughs) Uh, Blackout happens. This all goes down. He doesn't know who she is. He's having a panic attack. Yeah, he's having a panic attack. He doesn't like the dark. And he, um, he's... He, she's just a per. She's like a kind person, and that, right. and it's dark. They can't see each other. His phone is in the car, and sure. so, <laughs> and so they like, reasons. and she knows exactly who he is, and so they, you know, bang it out, and then I don't think she knows who he is till the next morning. 
She right, sees she him wakes in the up light. and he's there. Yeah. And she's like, oh shit, it's Darius. Yikes. On bikes. My and ex- so dead the- husband's best friend slash brother. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> I mean, of course it is. Obviously, it's romance. Obviously, it is that person. Sure. So then, okay. So this all so then like it sort of moves forward. There's like they end up in a relation, like she's living in his house, and well, he comes down and is basically like, "We're gonna get married because Naima loves a like fake yeah. engagement." Sure, because like, I'm gonna take care of you. That is Gage's son, and I'm not gonna let him live like this. And if this is what it takes, oh yeah, because he goes to her house yeah, and he's like, right. he's like, "I think you were sleeping around." He told us you were sleeping around, and then the kid, classic. Comes around the corner and he's like, oh my God, that's my friend's son. Yeah. And I, and here's the first moment where you're like, hey, Darius, maybe you should be less of an asshole. And yet he continues to be an asshole. He's a pure alpha, right? Like distilled toxicity. Yes. And so, but then he sees his friend's like face in this little boy. Yeah. And he's like, this is clearly his child. So you move in with us. We're yeah, getting married. And we're going to get married. And I'm going to like, she's like, uh, what? I'm going to bridge the gap and get you back in with, you know, Gage's family. And you've been keeping this boy from them. The drama. Now, here's the thing. Then the Gage's family is like, well, we really awful. needed, they're awful. And he is like, I have awful. never seen them be this way before. I had no idea. And she's like, bitch, please. They've been treating me like this for years. Yeah. So I they, mean, I will say, I love how this series treats like old money yes because it's like it's not that great yeah right exactly basically it's like the perfect it's like mystic pizza on yes. steroids this series <laughs> did you love mystic pizza as much as i love I mystic did. pizza of course I my did. god i can't remember the name of that actress who like dumps all the fish into the convertible <laughs> my god it's perfect what a world i know <laughs> yes i loved it of course i did so Anyway, here's the unforgivable part. Gage's mom is the real big bad Helena. What's her name? Helena something, whatever. And she says, you got to take this, get a DNA test, and then we'll really know that it's this Gage's son. And even though Darius fucking knows that Isabella's been like, never will I do that, he does it in secret. (sighs) And gives it to this family uh, who are like, great. Darius. Now that we know that it's his, we are going to sue this woman I for mean, I mean, I, like, custody. came off my bed. Oh, God, like, yes. I, I left my body when this yes. happened. I am not back in my body yet. I'm still so <laughs> mad at him. Because, and then, you know, he, And then she finds out and she's furious because, of yeah. course, she is. Yeah, and, and he's it's like, terrible, and like that's the bl- the dark moment of the book. Yeah, and then there's, and then you have this moment where like I mean, this is what I think Jen is getting at. Where like, if it weren't a category, yes, you w- you could have ten thousand more words of cold storage. Yes, yes, but it is a category, so it's like twenty five words of cold storage. <laughs> And not 25 I, words. But, I mean, yes, in my heart of hearts, Darius remains in cold storage. And I hope just, like, buys her diamonds, like, on the regular. Like, comes yes. home with diamonds. Of course. Like, here are more DNA test diamonds. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a DNA test Bugatti, by the way. <laughs> Today I bought a DNA, DNA test 
last helicopter and a pilot. I don't know what came over me, you know? Here's a DNA test flat in London. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you want. It was a really interesting question, though, because the the getting a DNA test and telling them and I didn't tell you is a very category plot, right? I will give oh, you that. it's the perfect, I mean, yes, right? But I, as a reader, was it's bold. Like, it's a bold choice. I need him to really fucking suffer. And I, I, that was the thing for me. I was like, he didn't suffer enough. I had to call Great Lakes Cold Storage and reserve him a, <laughs> his, own, his own refrigerator bay. <laughs> you guys, this week, a friend of mine, Julia, who lives in Ohio, took a picture of a place called Great Lakes Cold Storage and then joked on Twitter that I'm president and CEO. This is an actual place. <laughs> and I was like, I want to get a job there so bad. I'll just put romance heroes in cold storage. I don't know where that section is located. I'm going to call and ask. Everyone, this was also a hard book for me to read because Little Romance's real name is Darius. I have I have said this on the podcast. It's like slipped in a couple of times, so no one is maybe shocked. But it is an unusual enough name that you don't really come across it that often in romance, which is great because it's hard and weird, especially when he's such a jerk. My Darius would never. And <laughs> well, um, you, are you sure? I think we need to put this on the parenting list. Like, never get a DNA test for someone else's child. <laughs> yes. Now, here's the thing. I will also tell you. I'm going to tell you two other really funny stories about my Darius. So, however, there are lots of books with people named Darius. And I always buy them for him because I think it's really funny. So, you know, Darius the Great. It's Not Okay is like a YA book. And there were some kids' books that had the name Darius. But last year on his birthday, I bought him a romance. It was just titled Darius. Sarah, Sarah you've great. seen this it's video, a, remember? It's, um, shit. Grace. Grace Burrows. Burrows maybe? Grace Burrows. And I, like, wrapped it up and gave it to him and then took a video of him opening it and him being like, oh, my God, Mom, are you kidding me? And It, it was perfect. Was, it was very funny. Okay. this is. I another- like anything where we torture our children with embarrassment. Guys, everybody knows this except Darius, but when he goes away to college next year, we're going to send him a Faded Mates t-shirt that says Little Romance on the back, and I'm excited about it. (laughs) Pink Lady's Um, jacket. The Pink Lady's jacket for college students. And I'm going to get one for his roommate, Little Romance's roommate. I don't know who that person is, but it's going to happen. Oh, that's good. That'll be great. They'll be very happy with that. Everyone on the floor gets one. The perfect icebreaker. (laughs) Hey, you want to listen to my mom talk about sex on the podcast? Awesome. Okay, but no, there are some, there's so much more to talk about, though. I'm going to tell you one other story. At the end, when the little boy sees Darius coming and calls him Derry, that's not how little kids say Darius. It's really cute. They say Darius, and they just drop the R, and I just want you to know that. Oh, It's really cute. Darius. <laughs> little two-year-old Darius. Darius. All his friends called him Darius. Oh. All right. Gideon and Shay. Okay. So Shay comes into the party masqueraded, including <laughs> color-changing contacts, which yes. feels like exact—this is the other thing about, about categories that is beautiful, is there's always the moment where it's like, I don't know. Is it plausible that no one would notice her? And then Naeem is like, she was wearing color-changing contacts. And it's like, yes, that's like the Obviously. mask. That's sure. the masquerade mask of a contemporary. <laughs> yes. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> Sold. So she's working as a caterer, and this is Faded Mates, because Gideon yeah. sees her across he sure the does. room. And she's wearing her, like, catering outfit, which I- I've worn one of those outfits. They are not sexy. <laughs> and he's like, her. Her, yeah. her, 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 her. Yep. And... Um, 
then he like approaches her and he's real like rich. Oh yeah. Like billionaire dude. And he's like, you, I want you. Like, here are all the ways I want to bone you all over this mansion. And she's like, mm. And then the lights go out and they're like, okay. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but she knows that he is her brother's mortal enemy. Right. He has no idea who she is, though, right? And that part was really interesting because the other thing is the three, like, relationships are not the same. You know, like, one knows or one doesn't. It's different each time. Mm -hmm. And so when she is disappears the next morning, he is really, like, I'm... I'm just never going to see her again. I literally have no... I mean, it kind of... Yeah, it's interesting because he doesn't really even think about her again. Like, he thinks about her in the sense of, like... That was a great night. That was amazing, and I wish she hadn't left. But, like, then he meets her in real life, right? Then he meets Shay. And so he goes to Shay, and he's like, your brother's trash. Yeah. And um, also, I know that you're trying to start your own VC firm. Mm-hmm. And I need you to be my fake fiance. Here we go again, Naima. Yes. I need you to be my fake fiance in order to basically torture your brother for a little while. Right. And if you don't do this and help me torture your brother for a little while, I'm going to ruin his life and yours, which I'm for. Appreciating that this is absolutely yes. terrible. Yeah. And I, none of you should ever agree to a situation like this in real life. I'm Although, for it in, in real book. life, who even offers it? I mean, I was like, wow, this is a lot. Like, and I was kind of like, wait, how is blackmailing her going to make the brother pay? And then I was like, doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Who cares? Romance reasons. Except it does in the end because we, yeah. at that moment, this is a perfect example of like, you have to be willing to go on the ride, right? You're in yes. the passenger seat in a category. Yes. You're in the passenger seat in all of them, but like, you're really in a passenger seat in the category because if you're not. You, and you have to, like, really let go of all control. Yes. Because Naima says to you at the beginning of this, there is a reason why ruining the sister is relevant. Right. And you're like, uh, okay, okay I, guess, I guess there is. And then, sure enough, by the end, it all ties itself up in a neat little bow. And you're yes. like, there was a reason why. The reason why is her brother was terrible to his sister. And so, an eye for an eye. Sure. Now, here's the part that I would like to talk about in this one. Because this one, I thought... Okay, the DNA thing was perfect category. This one, I think, plays really, like, tight to a pretty hard and fast romance role, which is once you set eyes on the other person or people, in you know, that are going to be your future partners, usually that's it. And so the night that he spends with her at the the thing, he calls her Moonbeam. That's his, like, little nickname for her. Mm-hmm. And then when he meets Shay... There's this part where he calls her Moonbeam, and I was like, but he doesn't know. And I was really, and even Shay is like, wait, he, this is just, I thought I was special, but this is just like the name that he uses. I love a, I'm jealous of myself. I know you do. And I was like, God, this is so good, right? I'm jealous of myself. I'm jealous of myself is such a nonsense concept, but like, it's perfect. Yeah. Because she is weirdly jealous of herself. Right. Absolutely. And I just thought that was, like, really interesting. And then here's the other thing I really like. In a romance where there is a secret, right? So in this case, Shay is like, I was the woman at the party. And I know that I know him and that I have slept with him already. The first time they have sex, she's kind of like, 
I, I have to tell you something. And he's like, I already figured it out. Like, I knew it was you the minute we had sex because I, like, recognized your... The way you made me feel. Well, I mean, right? obviously. Obviously. Once they, once they do it the second time, of course he, rec- I mean, he recognizes taste, smell, like this All is, that. this is some this romance is hero bullshit. Yes. Like, we're yes. like mainlining it, right? Like, I mean, she right smells like wind and rain. Actually, yes. I think that's the heroine of the next book smells like wind and rain. Whatever. I love it. Sure. But here's the part that I thought was really cool about it. I, I really like when the f- person finally comes clean about their their secret, and the other person's like, duh, you dummy, of course I knew that. I love that, like, sort of tortured, Mm -hmm. like, I'm finally gonna have to confess, because so often it turns into, like, a big blow-up, and I love it then when instead it's, like, nothing. Yeah, and Naima does this really well with other women, Um, Mm -hmm. because there's always, I mean, this is a real, this is, like, um, in the DNA of categories is the evil other woman, right? Mm -hmm. The, like, Mm -hmm. former mistress, former lover, former fiancé, former ex-wife, like, this, this archetype exists, and Jen and I have talked about this many, many times on the podcast, and how it doesn't really track in 2021, Right. The same way that it did in 1983. Right. And so whenever it's on the page, you always have a little bit of like, ah, uh, what's going to happen here? Yeah. And what she does is she she leads us up to, like, the ex-wife, ex-fiance, ex-lover being jealous and, like, in some ways trying to win him back physically. Mm-hmm. And she does, in this one, she does, she does it so much that the other woman kisses him and she, it's a yeah. Classic romance scene, right? Yes. They're, like, the other woman kisses him, and he doesn't want it, but, like, it's happening, and then in comes the heroine. Right. To witness it. And then he's like, I didn't kiss her, and she's like, I know. I mean, and I love that, because it's very, like, Naima doesn't mess around with, like, I don't trust you not to touch other women. Right. What Naima messes around with is, like, I don't trust you empirically to be a decent person. And that is a really powerful... That's powerful because I don't trust any of these men to be decent people either, and none of us should. (laughs) I think... And that's a part that I think what's really interesting, then, is the third book has a lot of these same conflicts, but, right, like, sort of, um, I think part of it is I really like at the beginning that um, she knows who he is, but he doesn't know who she is. Yeah, it really flips the script on how it usually is. Right, but he knows that she works for some, he doesn't know what someone in, her, in his company, right? She's mm-hmm. come essentially to deliver her boss is like having some sort of crisis and, you know, needs a, a, a fancy shirt and demands that she drive up there. And I was like, wait. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Again. I love so much about this. Yes. I hear there, this scratched this third Every one. The reason itch. why I like yeah. it so much is because it scratches like about 32 of my itches. Yes. Right. First of all, here's this like incredibly handsome, heterochromatic, I'm going to say it again so we can get it right. There's this incredibly handsome, heterochromatic billionaire. Heterochromia, I'm like obsessed with heterochromia as a concept. (laughs) I've written characters who have it. It's when you have uh, eyes two different colors. Yeah. Many people say it's like David Bowie. Fun fact, 
David Bowie was not heterochromatic. He just got punched in the face, and then it blew out his uh, pupil. No way. I had yeah. no idea. Huh. It's the truth. I believe Wikipedia you. told me. I'll put so, it in show notes. <laughs> anyway, uh, so he has one blue eye and one green eye. And I mean, like, that is some romance shit. Oh, <laughs> right? yeah. Like, put or it in e- my veins. Even better, his crazy billionaire parents view this as thing a as a flaw. <laughs> that means he is basically, like, second-class citizen Throw child. him in the bin. He has two different color eyes. Which, of course, like, literally anybody in the world would be like, this is amazing. This man is amazing. Or kind of like, no big deal. I'm not throwing out the baby with bathwater, but, also, you know, not these people. Poor, sad, billionaire. Rich boy, spare. I know. <laughs> spare. Because his brother spare. Yeah. died. His brother yeah. died. His older brother, who was like Prince of America, <laughs> sure. died um, of a aneurysm years ago. And he was supposed to take No, a- it wasn't years ago. It was like six months ago. I mean, oh, it was? Really, I thought it was like two years ago. I think it's really recent. Right. And that's well, part of the reason. Everybody's terrible. Well, it's interesting. His mother is terrible. And we kind of, it, I think because we came off the terrible mother in book one, we are really like, oh, this bitch. But she's just real sad about yeah, her dead grieving. son. And Grayson is kind to her. Well, whatever. Who cares about her? She's <laughs> in the bin with the mom, too. Sure. So, okay, fine. So the, the brother has had, a, had an aneurysm um, and died. And now, like, here we are. The heir is dead. And, like, this poor, sad billionaire has to be the put-upon spare. And he's in the... Oh, my God. It's just so much my id. I can't even deal. Because he's, like, in this room filled with all these beautiful, rich people. And he's so bored. And then he thinks to himself, like, he's so lonely. And he has to get out of this room. And I'm like, come to me, you poor, sad, rich man. (laughs) And then he comes out of the room. And he literally collides yes with the curvy heroine in like jeans and a t-shirt and he's like you it's you it's you it's you it's you it's you it's you mhm yeah and amazing. she's like um and she's had a crush on him yes for as long as she has worked at his company I come to think of it, it's confusing as to why this is not a company party, but like his, her boss slash his subordinate is there. Right. So he, right. His subordinate is there and is having some sort of wardrobe, wardrobe malfunction. cocktail sauce on his shirt. Yeah. And demands that essentially his secretary bring him a new shirt. Now, I would like you to know that she lives in Bridgeport and this is on the North Shore. <laughs> this, I don't, this then, woman is literally, you guys, listen, I cared. I was like... <laughs> This is so much time. No, she oh was God. at the. She was at a baseball game. I don't care. It was all bad news. Anyway, so like she, she came from Wrigley Field or the other one. Where do the other ones play? Listen, none of that's better. I'm just telling you, geography okay. of Chicago. None of that's better. So anyway, <laughs> she bring. She's bringing this as this douchebag a shirt and runs into, and then the blackout happens. Uh. Uh, and he's like, basically, he's like, what are you doing? Why are yeah. you bringing your boss a shirt? Are you making overtime? He's like, you should unionize. <laughs> uh, Derek Craven would. Yes. All of true. this. 
It's so, true. Man of the people who has 10 gold Christmas trees we're talking about here. He's like pissed. He's like, he you is. are not being well treated by your boss. Irony That's of ironies. Me. I know. He's her big boss. Yes. Anyway, so then like they do it on the marble floor fall asleep on the marble floor and she leaves before he wakes up. He wakes up alone and presumably like without pants on on the marble (laughs) floor. Nobody notices. It's fine. And then he goes to work and he's like bummed. Like he's but he's like, where is that woman? It, where How do I is find she? her? And he doesn't know she works for him. It was very Cinderella esque. And then she comes in, and he hears her voice, and is like, <gasps> "Faded me, faded me." But you know what I love about these motherfuckers? He literally <laughs> is like. I bet she did it to trap me. Like, they always default oh, to thinking yeah, the they dumbest all think possible every thing. Every woman is just like in it. To trap you, because that's what you want, is, like, a loveless marriage with a man who hates you. Sure. And so, <laughs> then, this is the best part. This is some real category I mean, bullshit. this is world-class category romance plot world, here. This is a great category. This this might be the best category romance I've ever read, by the way. But I it appreciate is, that's saying a lot, but it is tremendously it was good. Terrific. Book. It was terrific. So she comes then his mother comes in with his ex-fiance. She, you know, is a real cold as ice bitch and he knows it or whatever because he broke up with her after realizing she was just in Along it for money. Along with his like ice queen yeah, his, no, like she's an ice. They're they're both yes. ice queens, like the mom yes. and the and the Absolutely. fiance. And, and so, the fiance gives me some real duck face vibes from uh, four weddings and a funeral. Yes. So anyway, it, <laughs> this dummy is like, I don't want to deal with this, and my mother and her matchmaking and my ex. So they're all standing around, like the, they're in an elevator or they're outside the elevator in the bank. elevator lobby, essentially, and, and like. They're all just standing around. And what's her name? The heroine is wearing, like, an ill-fitting suit. Yes. Right. <laughs> sure. So I'm confused by a lot of this, but doesn't matter. They're all doesn't standing matter. there. Grayson grabs her and is like, Nadia, and is like, well, this is my girlfriend, so no worries. And it's just like, what did and, you do? But, there, but Naima, <laughs> the moment, it's like, and then there was a silence where everyone thought, what the fuck? <laughs> Basically. It is, that is the direct quote from the book. Like, and in the silence where everyone was thinking, what the fuck? (laughs) Yes. I mean, it's amazing. And then she like. so good. She's so good at this. It's so good. Takes her up to his office and says, well, I've got this problem. And my mom's sad about my dead brother. And I don't want to hurt her feelings. So why don't I pay you 750,000 American dollars to pretend to be my fiance for four months? $250,000 bonus later. She's like, take your money and shove it up your ass. And she walks out. Yes. But then, but her then. her younger brother, who she is who like is so good. He made great. me cry. This I book, loved it. You guys, I cried this great. reading this book. I loved as so Ezra is basically like little romances age 17 applying to college. Somehow he manages to get into Yale in October, which is not a thing that happens in the college admissions timeline, but fine. And says He's special. Of course. He's like, I got a partial scholarship to Yale. By the way, given her income, he would have gotten all, all the money. It doesn't matter. And so she literally has to. <laughs> no, it's true. I'm sorry. You're really sorry. like. No. I'm sorry. No. This you, is no. my only thing. No. I'm stopping this here. 
because you're, you're not doing it right. I know. Okay. Let's, Just okay, stop fine. talking because okay. it, you're ruining the you're ruining the money shot here. Okay. <laughs> Literally. Well, she realizes, oh, I could use actually some cash to pay for my beautiful brother and well, amazing human brother, Ezra to go to her college. Her brother is so excited about getting into Yale, as Who of course anybody be? would be. And then he's like, he pauses, and then he's like, but it's okay. I know we can't oh, afford I it. Know. And she's Just like, getting no. in was enough. And then she's like, well, I suppose I could go, like, <laughs> basically pretend to be an American princess for three months. <laughs> and and But I will only take $250,000. Yeah, so she makes this deal with him. Yeah, she makes a great. sex deal with him. One, no sex, which, of course, out the window immediately. immediately. And then, <laughs> two, she's like, and $250,000. And he said, no, the agreement was $750,000. And she's like, no, $250,000. I have my pride. And he's like... <laughs> Who the hell would make this deal? But fine. Yeah. And then it turns out to be $250,000 plus the five-carat diamond ring that is her engagement ring. Sure. The the makeover, the clothes. Right. His sister is the fairy godmother and brings Uh, her shoes and So more of my id, like, fairy godmother scene. Sure. Like, they go shopping. He takes her on this, like, Chicago city date that ends with them, like, pretty woman-style shopping. Yes. Sure. And her, like... And then they go to this gorgeous dinner where mm. she, you know, eats steak. Yes. I love every pen. bit of this book. <laughs> oh, yeah. His beautiful penthouse apartment. I was like, I would like to visit. That sounds very nice. And but then, no, the best part about the, the best, best, best scene in this book is when he's, like, kind of wrecked. They go, they end up going to some, like, big event at his parents' house. Yes. And she gets really, like, his mom approaches her and like his terrible ex fiance approaches her. They're mean. And like she really has to, she goes through it. But he goes through it too in a separate way. But she she does what Jen loves, where she stands up to his family. God, it was so good. And she says to his mother, I literally like cheered, where his mother's like, You're not the right woman for him. And she's like, Well, it breaks my heart because he does he does he does need something from the women in his life. And it breaks my heart because you're not it either. And I was like, Yes. I, but also oh, so I might good. add the moment where they're walking into oh, you guys, if you haven't read any of these books, read this one. It is so technically perfect. Yes. In so many ways. But in the the moment where they're walking into this is when he reveals that she looks at him and she's like, your eyes are beautiful. And he yes. thinks she's like fucking with him. Fucking with him. And he's, and she's like, what is wrong with you? And he's like, you know, people always, my eyes are weird and you shouldn't, you know, whatever. And she right. grabs him by the face and she's, she basically like says to him like, you're beautiful. Your eyes are amazing. Like everything about you is perfect. And like, Anybody who says otherwise can get fucked. <laughs> yes. And he's like, you might not want to talk that way to my dad. Uh, what? It's so good. It's so good. And so anyway, so then like it's we he has this whole situation, whatever. He's in his feelings, his man feelings. Of course. It doesn't matter. And then they're in the car and he's driving her back to her house. Mm-hmm. To drop her off after being at this terrible date. And he's being weird and not talking. And then he's like, I'm going to walk you to the door. And she's like, you don't have to walk me to the door. I'm a grown-ass woman. Like, I yes. can walk myself to the door. And he walks her to the door. And then he breaks on the, like, door, the doorstep. And he's mm-hmm. basically like, I don't want to be alone. Like, Ugh. let me in. 
And they go into her, like, shabby room. apartment. And she's like, we can't do it on the bed. My brother's home and it's too squeaky. The bed is squeaky. We must return to the floor. He grabs the, the bedspread yeah. off the bed and, like, puts it on the floor and then, like, just wrecks her on the floor. Just like he did the first time. Of course it has to be on the floor. And then course. they, uh, and then they, like, talk. And mm-hmm. it is yeah. unbelievably good. It's unbelievably good. Yeah. I think it's like a series that really hits its stride um, in that sense. And it's right? such a, like, what I want, Naima, I, I'm, you're probably not listening to this. I mean, like, I don't ever expect authors to do this, <laughs> to go this route with us. But my God, I want so many of these ancillary character stories now. I feel so wedded oh. to this collection yes. of people. Like, I want the food truck yes. woman. And what's weird is, like, there was definitely a moment where... Um, Gideon's sister, Olivia, who's like poor Olivia had had, had really gone yes. through it, now yes. works for the food truck woman. And I was like, yes. where's that romance? <laughs> Absolutely. Or like great, the the best. So the one of the other things I really liked about this ending is when you have a family, family pressure, mm-hmm. it cannot just work. You have to have, it's great to see the love interest stand up to the family, but we want to see the the person stand up to their own family. And when Grayson says, it's this great moment, like, you, why would you want me to be, take over the CEO when my sister, Melanie, has been doing it the entire time, has worked for you? Like, she is mm-hmm. the person to hand this job over to. And it's such a great moment. And I was like, does Melanie get a book? I mean, all yeah. oh, this is. Oh, I want is, the sister, too. Right? And I think that this is the part about this book is it really, I think it comes full circle and it like closes, it addresses everything in a way that feels like complete and whole in, in a way that only a category can, right? It's just such a perfectly. Yeah. Well, and then there's a the moment the epilogue even brings back in all the other characters. Like, mm-hmm. so you see all the other couples because they're yes. all at this like big event. It's the, the, the same event the next year, right? And it's. I mean, it just is, it's a really well-structured category series. Series, And so when we chose this, we chose it for obviously a few reasons. Like anybody who listens to the podcast knows that we are Naima Stans. Yes. Um, And we read everything that she writes and we love her. Um, I, but I really believe that it is, there are very few writers in romance, who can really nail the category. Yeah. And I think that in the history of romance, too often we, as a genre, discount the category as, like, something a little less. No. When the reality is, is that structurally, being able to tell a story that is emotional and sexy and nuanced and and also complete and like perfectly executed in mm-hmm. that short amount of time is incredibly difficult. I mean, I just I cannot imagine telling a complete story in that amount of time with any skill, any level of skill that we're talking about with Naima. Right. And that's not to say it's not just Naima. There are many writers who do, who do it well, but like there aren't that many writers who do it as well as Naima. 
I think it's really in some ways like a like I think of category as being like a real proving ground. So it's like both a place where sometimes uh, it's often the place where like new romance writers get deals. So it's like this amazing pipeline for the rest of us, right? Mm-hmm. But also the people who like you know, I think of um you know, people who just really figure out, like, here is what I'm good at. They learn, like, how to plot. They learn how to use tropes and layer. I heard Reese Ryan once talk about it as, like, layering tropes. That's what it is. I mean, right? And I feel it's like. It's trope wheel. Yes. And I feel like really, like, learning the craft of, like, romance in a category is, it. it's really a tightrope. Because I think the other thing is there's so many of them. That if one's not working, it's so easy to just, like, put it down and pick up something else. Yes. And so it really also, I think the other thing about it is categories have really powerful hooks. Mm-hmm. There is no slow ramp up. No. It's boom. And there's something really pleasing about that as a yes. reader. And so for the writers who are listening right now, when I give my conflict workshop, um, when I teach my conflict workshop... I often point to categories as being, like, the place where you learn about how to write conflict. Mm -hmm. And the reason why is because of all these things that we've been saying about, you know, it really is a straight shot. There is nothing in a category gumming up the works of the conflict because there isn't enough space for it, right? Right. So in the best of the genre, the best categories of the genre, what we see is absolute superior craft. Mm-hmm. And I think that in all three of these books, Naima shows you how you build a con a straight line of conflict mm-hmm. that and it, it's interesting right because I don't write categories so, and I obviously write much longer books but I was but I always learn from Naima's books and from all categories but from Naima's books especially because what she you can as a as somebody who's writing a a longer book and and a a, a more standalone title you think about this idea of a straight shot of conflict and how you can pack in a B and C plot. This is now like some real writer shit, but like how you weave in the B and C plots to that singular A conflict um, without drawing the reader's attention too far away from the the main characters. And that's what you're looking for, right? Like you're looking for the love story. So don't, fuss with that piece figure out how to weave in the outside pieces and i mean i really i got really excited i finished the third book this morning and i was like the reread of the third book this morning and i was like i want to work today and that yeah i mean that's an awesome feeling who feels that way ever (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i think the other thing i just want to i want to say one of the things i really like about category is like Romance reasons to me really translates to like high concept. Yeah. And what I mean by that is category, and it's like, like, so another series that she did with a bunch of folks afterwards was called the Seven Sin series. So it's like each author takes like a sin, one of the, you know, seven deadly sins, and then they like write a big series. Um, You get a lot of interconnected characters. You get a lot of like, okay, here's a real top of the line idea. Let me see how I can like 
almost like workshop it here in this category romance and see how it would play out. And so I think that's the other thing that I really like is, you know, category romance is not afraid of just like taking the most bananas, biggest, super over-the-top idea, and then really trying to figure out how to make it work. Mm -hmm. And I think there is something to be said for that. Like, it's romance as pure escapism. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that it is if you like those old-school heroes that we talked about so much in season two and in season one, right? Like, those big over-the-top heroes. You don't see them as much in standalone contemporaries published in now. Like, where you, it's just not, there isn't as much... There aren't as many of them in standalone contemporaries, but you see them a lot in category. So um, don't sleep on what's happening in categories. So just to confirm, Presents is where you get your, like, big foreign billionaires, the Italian billionaire's pregnant mistress. There's lots of secret babies in Presents. Yes. Um, And there is sex on the page in Presents, but it's not as hot as the sex on the page in Desire. Right. Desire brings you a little bit hotter. Mm-hmm. Um, there's usually, like, one really, like, big sex scene in A Desire. And those also have a lot of billionaires. You yes. can also find your, you'll find your, um, your men in uniform in, mm-hmm. in Desire. And then if you want something even hotter, you can go to Dare, Harlequin Dare. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, there are all the other lines. And, to be honest, I mean... Much of the the biggest selling and the best selling contemporary indie stuff is category length. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like all those. Uh, and then of course there are you know those old the older Tessa Bailey's from Entangled, which we've done mm-hmm. before. Yep. We'll ma- we'll put a list of the categories that we've talked about before in the yeah, or at yeah. least like link to some of the category episodes that we've done. Um, and like I said, we have a new another category coming a category episode coming with Steve Amidam soon. Yeah, and I would say one other thing is I think of category as being a real slump buster move. For a lot of people, they're like Mm -hmm. having a hard time reading because category romances are so tightly plotted and just boom, introduce everything right out of the gate. I feel like it's, you can get like pick up, I mean, especially for me, I was like, read the Kindle sample of a category romance and mm-hmm. you will know whether or not you want to keep going. Yes. And so I think it's also, um, if you are like, God, I'm having such a hard time reading, which is such a common thing people are going to through right now, I would say give give categories a shot. Um, uh, is it Tara Pammy writes a great category? I mean, well, we've talked so much about Reese Ryan. Yes. Um, J.C. Lee writes mm-hmm. a great category. You know, I mean, these are, and these are, and category authors have backlist for days. I love those Farrah Roshan um, brother, the brother series, which we talked about Mm -hmm. before. So there's a lot out there. Yeah. There's a lot of babies in category, though. I will say it. Oh, everybody loves a baby. A lot of baby logs. Yeah. But also just like. Lots of secret babies. I kept waiting. secret Literally as I was rereading these. I knew there were no secret babies, but I would like I whenever I read a category, Expected I watch one. for that condom. Yeah. Because there's there's always like that's always a, a risk is like somebody's not gonna put on a condom and then boop, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lots of lots of pregnancy and babies. Lots mm-hmm. of especially in the present series, I think. But yeah. Just. Anyway, Naima, if you are listening or if you're a friend of Naima, please tell her mm-hmm. that we love her. I think she probably knows by now, but She's probably mm-hmm. tired of us. She's like, oh, those two. 
You know, I tagged her today in a photo of one of my cats with one of her books. It's fine. <laughs> so I roll, everybody. Um, and she has a new book out. Her her book, Back in the Texan's Bed. Talk about a good category hero. Oh, uh, yeah. Title. Back in the Texas Bed, the Texan's Bed, a secret baby reunion romance. Oh, I hope that he comes back and he finds the baby. I bet he's such a jerk about it. After discovering he has a secret son, oil heir Ross Edmund isn't letting Charlotte Jarrett walk away again. He proposes they move in together to share their son and a bed. (laughs) Anyway, uh, that is out now. It yep. came out the first of the month. It is the Harlequin Desire. The name of the town is Royal Texas. Sure. Obviously. I'm for it. <laughs> They're great covers, too. They are. God. Harlequin so covers these sexy. days. These Harlequin covers have not suffered from the pandemic, which is good news for everyone. <laughs> if you love a clinch cover, Harlequin loves you. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay. This is Fated Mates, everyone. We have talked your ears off. Uh, it's a it's an hour and a half. That's three whole books. I mean, yeah. And yeah. a lot of soul searching about modern yes. motherhood. Yeah. So thanks for being <laughs> with us. Thanks for listening. Um, if you're a new listener, we hope you'll stay. Uh, if you are not a new listener, well, if you are a new listener, like and subscribe. And then we'll be in your ear holes every week. Your podcasting app will remind you. Um, we have not said that you can leave reviews for us um, on, on all of the podcasting places in all of the podcasting places so feel free to do that if you head over to fadedmates.net you'll find a veritable smorgasbord of everything of stuff there is um a spotify list with all of the music from the show also we're adding a new layer to show notes where we'll be calling out uh we'll be listing the songs and bands um, in the music oh, yes. for the show, um, we will. You can also find links to gear from Jordan Denae, from pin to pins and stickers from Best Friend Kelly. Um, you can find transcripts there and other exciting things. Yes. We're produced by Eric Mortensen. Read a great romance. Read a great romance. <laughs> <laughs>